Hi there everyone, I'm Naomi Meller and you're listening to Smashing the Ceiling, the podcast that tells the stories of women with interesting, unusual and inspiring careers. Today's guest is Nicola Miller, the founder of A Mile in Her Shoes, a really great charity that aims to bring the physical and mental health benefits of running to homeless and vulnerable women. A Mile in Her Shoes provides sports bras and trainers and organises sessions from various shelters in London to give women the option to try exercise in a friendly and supportive environment. Nicola is also a mum, so juggles her caring responsibilities and her job in sexual health around coordinating the charity's activities with the other trustees. It's quite a workload. A Mile in Her Shoes was this week nominated for the England Athletics Volunteering Award of 2018, so a massive congratulations to all involved, and we really hope you win. I started by asking Nicola to give me a little overview of the charity and what its aims are. Yes, of course. Well, A Mile in Her Shoes is really about um, empowering women who are being affected by homelessness in some way uh, to be able to take a bit more control over their physical and mental health um, through running and fitness. And uh, the running that we do with uh, groups of women is actually, we call it running games because it's about having fun, relaxing, feeling good about yourself. Running is the catalyst for that. And that might be running longer distances, but it might just be having fun and and playing really. Um, And so the charity is about um, helping to address the some of the barriers that women who've been affected by homelessness might be experiencing to taking part in fitness, uh, in addition to any other barriers that other people in, in all walks of life might be experiencing too. Um, so the charity is uh, at the moment entirely volunteer led. So we have uh, volunteers who are fantastic uh, women who train with us and then take a group out on a regular basis. And that group is always attached to uh, either a women's refuge or a homelessness organisation that partners with us and hosts our services there. So we don't out- do outreach and get um, all the participants for our groups. And so we have, that is done through the experts who are the homelessness charities and organisations. We provide the the, uh, the running games and the, and the experience that we have to offer. So uh, we've been doing that for up to five years now and um, it's going really well. And we're, um, we're mostly in London at the moment, but we're looking to expand beyond that this year. Excellent. And how did you come up with the idea in the first place? It's quite a, a novel, um, it's quite a novel concept. It's not something that I've ever heard of before. It sounds um, pretty unusual. And I was just wondering how you, how you thought about it in the first place. Yeah, it's funny, just on that point, I think it's interesting, the number of organisations or charities or, or projects I've discovered over the years that do use running as a way of engaging people, mm-hmm. uh, and in fact, there's, there's at least one other charity that uses running with homeless people, oh, right. um, but in a, in a quite different way to us. So our, our approach is, as I said, very much about um, the purpose is to feel good and, and r- rather than to run a certain number of miles or to try and uh, meet uh, objectives around homelessness it's about addressing the sort of self-esteem and confidence issues as well that come with that um but no the idea came um for me I, I run I like to run I'm in a running club now but I wasn't always um and I saw I could see how running in the ways I ever imagined had sort of helped me and helped women around me um all different abilities and backgrounds too and it kind of stuck in my head as something that would be good to look at more and then I'd been volunteering um, a couple of Christmases at Crisis, who do a, a Christmas shelter uh, with lots of volunteers involved. And after I finished that, I really wanted to not wait another year to do some volunteering and thought, well, what can I what can I do in the meantime? And, and meanwhile, I thought, well, perhaps there's something I could do or I could come up with that would help to fundraise uh, for, for, for homelessness, which I felt very strongly about. Um, and the original idea was actually to design something make something sell something that was almost for runners okay. to use an accessory that maybe the, the maybe the profits for that would go towards helping a homeless women that, that was the kind of idea to begin with so I started looking at that but then really after a while 
through that process of understanding more, realizing that actually the running itself actually could be something that this participant group could really benefit from. Mm. And and my knowledge of the sector uh, and homelessness issues was very limited then. Uh, and I just thought, well, maybe I'm not sure that people who are homeless are going to want to go running. Perhaps they've got better things to think about and worry about. But um, as it turned out, they do. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> in the same way that any of us do, because the point is that it's not, you know, that's that's just generalising running too much. It's generalising homelessness too much. It's actually there are plenty of benefits that come around around it and it's the catalyst really for what we do so you approached um an outreach center did you to begin with and just sort of said i'm interested in um potentially setting up a group and went from there or how did you go about actually practically starting kind of yes i mean i I did quite a lot of research initially um and then i approached yeah i approached crisis to begin with um and as often happens with us even now uh we always we always need to have somebody at the host organization who's our, our main contact as you can imagine mm. um but often it's a surprising the number of people you find in that situation who are runners themselves mm. or who are, who are already running and that's a you know it's like a little cult mm. isn't it people just they get it they, they get the, they understand why running's a good idea and they also they pretty much they get the concept of what we're trying to do quite quickly which makes it a little bit easier so in this case uh, it was um anna thomas at crisis who uh, looks after the women's services there so she was happy to explore the idea with us and support that so we did a focus group we we started a pilot that did some trial sort of experimental sessions there if you like um and went from there really and we're still at crisis now uh, it's one of it was our first group and we're still there now but what actually happened initially was i i literally running around to about six different groups uh, over the course of a week on my lunch breaks in the evenings because I was working full time, mm. just sort of leading these sessions and some successfully in terms of turnout, some where no one would turn up. Um, and it, it varies in terms of success, but it just grew from there, really. And um, it's never been about huge numbers for us. It still isn't. It's not about large numbers coming out necessarily or having lots and lots and lots of groups. It's more about what that has to offer, what people get out of it. So just by us being there and turning up and being reliable and our volunteers turning up and being reliable, even if only one person or two people turn up or perhaps no one turns up, it's really about uh, the organisation and indeed the, the participants knowing that we're there for yeah. them. So that's really crucial too. Yeah. And often um, people talk about homeless um, homelessness having quite a transient population and people kind of come and go from shelters. Do you find that that your participants um, and attendees are quite transient or do you, have you found that women have really stuck with this once they've started it or is it a bit variable? I think to an extent people, with the women taking part in sport and fitness can... can uh, <laughs> As a concept, there's a lot of there are a lot of barriers mm. that potentially are there to mm. taking part. So the women that, that are in our groups are no different to that. And to say that they are living transient and chaotic lifestyles is often the case. But and that does affect uh, participation and whether they turn up, how often they come to us. But what we do is not about the volume of, and how many sessions you attend. It's more about what you get out of them when you do mm. come, and you can come back again in a few weeks' time. We have people that come along, we don't see them for months, and then we see them somewhere else. So it's about again about being there for people to come along to. Um, and you don't have to be a runner already. It's, it's for everybody. It's for every level of ability. And we just want to make it easy for you to take part. Um, but, you know, I mean, the transient thing is kind of it depends because a lot of the people that, that we that in our groups are actually perhaps recovering from homelessness mm, okay. or perhaps have moved on, yeah. moved on from some of the more the more dif- more challenging um, elements of, the, of their lives in that respect. respect. So. Uh, so, yeah, it's about it's about kind of, I suppose, life becoming uh, a bit more back to normal perhaps so again we offer something that's quite a relaxed way to kind of 
uh, be part of something and to get fit and do exercise. And one of the barriers that um, you mentioned on your website is about um, women having kit available. Um, and mm. you guys have, um, you provide that for women taking part. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So it, it's not always the case, but it often is the case that uh, people who want to come and join in don't have uh, appropriate clothing. Mm. And to be fair, most of what we're doing, you know, is often just a jog in the park and it's, it's it's messing about you know playing games and so on so you don't need fancy kit for that but we do provide um we always provide a sports bra if somebody asks for one a brand new one um we provide the shoes the footwear um not necessarily fancy branded posh uh athletic brands either the, the kit is is always provided if they like that too and it's either brand new or almost new in terms of the kit with the exception of sports bras um but the key thing for the kit we give out is that it has to be something that people that we think is makes somebody feel good we won't give out some something we don't think is very nice. It has it defeats the purpose of what we're Absolutely, doing. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, that's why we're very fussy about what we give out, and we expect our participants to be fussy as well if that's what they want. And um, yeah, and hope. I luckily that means that the, most of the feedback we get is um, that the kit is something some of the nicest clothing that they sometimes own, which is nice to hear as well. Sure. How many how many groups do you have in a week roughly? It depends. At the moment, things are quite quiet. We've only got okay. about half a dozen groups that are live right now, if you like. Okay. Um, but we can have about can have more than that. Um, it just depends. And again, some groups have got what, ten or so people that turn up with a waiting list of ten more. Um, but other groups have only a couple of people that come along, and that's you know a very different yeah. concept. Cool. And how would how would one of your typical sessions go? Can you just give me a flavour of um, what the do you talk about the the running games? What sort of things mm. would you be doing in a normal session? Like how does it how does it run? Well, we give um, we give our run leaders a lot of flexibility and, and ask them to take lead in how they want to do it. Mm. Um, but we would suggest the basics in terms of there being a warm up, uh, you know, and a middle section, and then a cool down cool down stretches when you get back to the the place where you're basing the group. Yeah. So it's always at one of the centres. Um, but by the time, also by the time your group gets out to go and down the road to the park, perhaps walking, jogging there, uh, quite some time may have gone past from when you actually were meant to go out because it's just the nature of these things, getting everybody into their kit and so on, and things take some time. So the amount of content in our sessions can be quite brief sometimes. Otherwise, you'll be out there for hours. <laughs> so um, I think people, we'd ask them to do a warm up of some sort and then maybe play two or three, maybe four different sort of games, if you like. And that can be something as simple as follow the leader. It can be some uh, other games that involve relays and um, or just kind of very silly, silly games that, uh, that hark back to when you're in the playground, really. And the best games, I think, are ones where we all end up laughing hysterically, <laughs> you know, falling about um, and doing that as well. So it's it tends to be about 20 minutes of that, maybe a bit longer. Um, and it also depends on the number of people in your group that week. So if you only got two people turn up, that limits you a bit, doesn't it, in what you can yeah, do? Yeah. Whereas if you've got like five or six people, that means you've got a few more options. Um, and if you've got a couple of other volunteers with you, also gives you some capacity as well. So it's more about we ask the leaders to design their own sessions and we give them lots of tips and sort of ideas for that. But ultimately it's up to the run group what they want to do and ask the group how they're feeling as well. You know, what do you feel like doing today? Um, it's really about, although it's led by one of our volunteers, it's about what the group wants to do together as well. So that's kind of how the format is now. And, and again, the idea is that when everyone gets back, everyone's got a smile on their face. Hmm. And is, we ask everybody how, how, how they feel and everyone hopefully fingers crossed feels feels good sweaty but good <laughs> and do you would you have quite a an age range amongst your participants or do they tend to be younger women or older women or have you just found a great mix oh, a real mix I mean sometimes it depends on the site of course or the organization if, it, if they have particularly if they have any age restrictions on the, oh, yeah. on the residents or, or members of their group uh, of their center 
Um, but you know, it totally varies. I mean, we aren't meant to have children there, for example, but occasionally somebody might bring a kid, kid with them, and they will potentially sort of join in on the sidelines at their parents' risk. Um, but really, it's yeah, it's every age really. It's from you know, we got sort of people in their early twenties through to their sixties and so on. It's it's a real mix because it just because homelessness and, and disadvantage that's connected to that can impact women and people at any stage in their life. So that, that really is reflected in, in what we've noticed as well. Mm, and obviously they get the physical benefits from um, from the actual exercise that they're taking, but it sounds like from what you're saying, there's quite a lot of social benefits as well, do you think? Yes, and we try, we're trying to build on that more now at the moment because we are the charity is currently kind of withdrawn a little bit because we're actually now looking to almost relaunch in in the new year with a a new model of how we do things and that will very much involve more focusing on some of the social side the sort of conversation the chat the sort of less not the exercise and the fitness is still there but there's the purpose is it goes beyond that too so yes it's about social it's about it's about thinking about you know encouraging people to do things away from our groups too that they can do on their own or with other people too and and getting that confidence back as well Mm, it's really good really it's really sounds very positive um and just in terms of setting up a charity just on a slightly different note um have Mm. you obviously you have a full-time job as well and you have a family have you found actually the practicalities of running a charity um has there been challenges associated with that or you know especially when you this is not your full-time job uh well yeah it's, it's very difficult i mean it can be very difficult um the key thing is to build a great team around you of, of like-minded volunteers in, in my case um the charity that that we are our charity hasn't doesn't have any paid staff and like majority of charities actually in the uk because there are hundreds and hundreds of uh very small charities who don't employ staff and are run entirely by their trustees like we are mm. so we're not unusual in that sense and i'd say yes it is hard but but it's hard for the other micro charities and small charities around the uk um Yes, it's hard to fit in in the same way that running a small business, you know, alongside your full time job will be difficult. But it has it has its rewards. And it's also something that we sort of work hard together to do. It's fitting that in finding the time to do it. I don't get out and do groups as much now as I'd like to or as I used to. Um, but we have other people to do that as well now. So we can work on on developing the charity a bit more. And how many volunteers and trustees would you have at the moment, Nicola? We have a, a trustee board of 10 at the moment, which is uh, not a huge number, but it's quite a lot. But given that our trust, our trustees are incredibly hands-on and operational, so a lot of boards, you might find that they are more strategic and making decisions, and, and that's really important to a charity. But our trustees know and understand that we need them to do more than that and to get involved and get their hands dirty. So uh, we have a bigger board to reflect that, otherwise it would be impossible to get anything done. Um, and in terms of our volunteers in general, we've got – we trained around 60 or so uh, oh, last wow. autumn and I mean, most a lot of them aren't actually currently volunteering with us because things change and also because we actually have a very small number of groups operational right at this moment but we hope that we'll be able to return to some of them and get them involved later on cool and you said you're looking to expand would that be to outside of london or just more in london do you think Yes, outside of London would be would be part of the aim, but the aim is not to expand for the sake of expansion. It's actually to create groups that we are able to sustain better, that we can work much more closely with those host organisations I mentioned, and actually have it sort of that they help us to run them essentially, or they help us sustain those groups there. So because we deliver everything ourselves essentially on these sites, it's actually very hard to do that on the front line when you're the structure and the size and the volunteers that we are. So that actually, if we can actually look work in such a way that those things are almost self-managed and we can run them with the uh, organizations in question it makes it it'll make it 
a lot more straightforward. So we will be, I hope, expanding beyond London. Um, but the purpose of that is mostly so that we can have we can have bigger impact and we can it won't be at the expense of the sustainability of our groups in London, which we hope to see, see more of too. Yeah, sure. And if people are um, interested in getting involved, what sort of opportunities would there be um, in Amal and Hershey's? Well, ways to get involved, there's probably two main ways to get involved. One would be obviously as a run leader, but what that looks like as a volunteer is probably changing in the next six months a little bit more to expand beyond being a runner. So your question earlier was around, do you need to be a runner? How much, you know, to be a volunteer? You don't. And actually we're really interested in, in people who have uh, other sort of skills and experiences and, you know, particularly around listening and, and working with vulnerable adults sometimes and that kind of thing. So it's more about people having the time, people having time to give and in a way that works around our participants rather than just solely around our volunteers mm. so that that's something people can do and of course um getting involved in other ways with the charity we, we're we're really keen to get people who want to volunteer in other ways whether that's with some of our communications with some of our admin which might sound a little less exciting <laughs> but actually those those are the things that when you're a very very small charity that are the absolute killers that without that support and help with that support and help you can do so much more and it's that stuff that makes things really slow and yeah, I'm sorry to everyone whose emails we haven't replied to very frequently but it's <laughs> you know you, you might get like 100 emails in a month and who's going to sit there and answer all of them well we do we do our best but you know that takes you away from delivering what you're trying to do so in terms of what people can do they can if they've got time skills things they think we find helpful that any other organization might do maybe whether it's as an accountant or a lawyer or as a or as a somebody who's going to come and help us with some logistics you know definitely get in touch um we you can sign up to our newsletter actually on our homepage of our website and that will will sign up to get updates from us rather and then we'll be getting in touch with people to let them know what opportunities are coming up and how things are going so they can do that on our website it sounds like you've got some exciting plans uh in the pipeline coming up over the next sort of six to twelve months yes definitely we when the, the the work i mentioned to sort of ultimately will lead to us expanding and and sort of rejigging how we do things in a more sustainable way um is thanks to funding from comet relief and their supporters oh, club so we've That's so cool. for us is for us it's a huge big deal money wise um means that we can uh, really get do some exciting pilot work this year and hopefully roll out a bigger project next year. That's really interesting, actually, because you I you hear about huge operations like Comic Relief and Sport Relief, and actually it's really nice to hear the beneficiaries being a very small charity such as yours that mm. actually is doing very applicable work on the ground. Yeah. As a as a funder, they I mean we've only recently started, but they I think as a funder, Comet Relief are fantastic because they are particularly this particular fund itself you know they are very supportive they when they when they know they're working with small or funding small organizations small charities um they are incredibly patient and also flexible and understanding and they they want they want you to succeed and they want to help as much as they can so that's been really i wouldn't say refreshing because i'm sure all funders want that but we can't really we found it a huge relief yeah. <laughs> um to do that so so yeah i i recommend current relief particularly and they also like to fund quite a lot of sort of sport and you know uh fitness related activities too so but they also help you to shape that a bit too which has been yeah. brilliant so thanks Comrade. oh that's really <laughs> great and do you just um how do you go about getting them involved with your charity do you just uh, apply for funding through them or is that something that you have to do a bit more in detail brief sure yeah i mean most if you're going to apply for funding for a project or a charity or an organization you uh, it what tends to happen is if it's a if it's a grant that's um for it's usually for you have to apply for to do it in a particular way mm -hmm. so a funder will have in mind what they want to fund the kind of work they want to fund um they aren't just going to hand over a load of cash to you and say off you go and do, <laughs> use it. or not even wouldn't even say just use it for your charity generally they'll want to know how you're going to use it and what's the outcome going to be so you have to be very 
you can't almost always have to have a kind of project in mind or at least a clear idea of what their money is going to be put put to do sure. uh, a lot of funders don't want to spend money you spend their money on staffing costs unless it's related specifically to a specific outcome which is also understandable so uh, so it's applying for stuff applying for grants and looking at what that funder is really really looking for and then don't waste your time applying for something that isn't going to fit what they've asked for and also that you can't then deliver which I think is a danger I think when you're small like we are but this particular grant in fact was an invitation only grant so we were invited to apply for it but mostly you would mostly you would look for uh, funders uh, and trusts and foundations around the UK who have who want to help and support projects and then you you follow their their timescales and their patterns. Sure 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 and so for people who would like to find out about your charity where can they go to get some more information? Well, we have a pretty basic website at the moment, but it's got some information on there. You can go to um, a mileinhershoes.org.uk. But we also we're quite active on Twitter. So if you go to In Her Shoes HQ and also on our Facebook. Excellent. Lovely. Well, I'm, I'm hopeful that lots of people will be start spreading the word. Um, this is certainly a charity I think is doing fantastic work. And it sounds like it's a bunch of really really busy women who are doing some quite remarkable things to be quite yeah, honest and we have men as well okay yeah. excellent good 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 <laughs> always good to hear um and can guys um get involved with volunteering as well i take it that the run leaders tend to be female presumably do they they do they the one the one thing that the the male volunteers wouldn't be able to do is to lead our run groups or get involved directly with the groups that's because and there's a really good reason um for, for the fact that we work exclusively with women's groups and for women's uh, as our participants it's because there's a a real need for that gendered support and space Uh, within the homelessness sector there's been a lot of research into that too and that's part of our charitable objectives too so in that sense I suppose you could argue we're positively discriminating but it's so that we can actually increase access uh, to women who are vulnerable in this way to things they wouldn't normally be able to do so and having that safe space uh, when in fact so many of the issues that uh, exist around homelessness for women might be affected by domestic violence mm. around sexual abuse so you know there's a real argument and in fact a lack still of uh, of gender specific services within the sector for women you know having women having a safe space for exercising is is so rare in situations like that isn't it yes it is and well we think it is and that's what we've, we're being told so that's why we do it I mean again we're not a homeless we aren't specifically a homelessness charity a homelessness organization we don't pretend to be but we and we we're learning we we want to support uh, those organizations that are and the women that they're that we're that they're helping so um you know as we want to continue to get our participants to shape the sessions we do to shape the services we offer and that's what will happen hopefully in the next two years cool well thanks ever so much nicola that is brilliant um is there anything else you would like to add in addition no just a big thank you to all of our our volunteers not just the trustees and someone who give all their time for free but actually the volunteers who lead our groups who do so unquestioningly with very little support uh, not little support little kind of hand holding from us and it just without them it would never happen so thank you very much Sounds like Nicola's volunteers do amazing work. The volunteering sector is still growing hugely in the UK and this sounds like a brilliant opportunity for any London women out there who love exercise and want to encourage others. Massive thanks to Nicola for joining me on the podcast today. You can donate to A Mile in Her Shoes via the BT My Donate link that's on their website. Follow them on Twitter, as Nicola said, at In Her Shoes HQ. And if you're interested in volunteering, the best thing to do is to sign up for updates via the website at www.amileinhershoes.org.uk. You'll be able to hear about the exciting developments they've got in store and any new opportunities with the charity that way. And it saves Nicola having to individually reply to hundreds of emails from enthusiastic volunteers. 
Clearly, it's important when working with vulnerable women that the volunteers leading the groups are not only capable of actually taking a running group, but also understanding the sensitivities of the women they may meet. So the charity offers in-house training for those that want to join the team. But prior experience isn't necessary, just loads of enthusiasm. So if you're interested, then get in touch. That's all for this time. Uh, Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Smashing the Ceiling with me, Naomi Mella. Please subscribe if you haven't already and feel free to leave a nice review on your favourite podcast site as it helps others to find us. More importantly, if you enjoyed it, spread the word as word of mouth is still the most powerful form of advertising. You can follow us on Twitter at Smashing Ceiling and on Instagram at Smashing the Ceiling and we'll hopefully see you next time.